the Lord our righteousness. That expression is found in Jeremiah's Jeremiah's prophecy, both in chapter 23 and 33. The Lord is our righteousness. John chapter 1. Reminds us of Genesis chapter 1, where it begins, in the beginning. Remember, Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. And so John knew that his writers would think back and see the parallel. No one doubts that. God in Genesis 1.1 is Yahweh, Jehovah, the Lord. But many people doubt whether the, the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, is equal to God, the Lord, in Genesis 1.1. But John tells us that He is. In the beginning was the Word, the living Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. John says He also was the Creator. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not, could not hold it down. And then in verse 14 it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What is the greatest miracle that God ever performed? Can we conclude that such as the greatest miracle? We certainly have the greatest commandment that God ever demanded to love the Lord with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. But I'm sure that there are favorites, favorite miracles of, of, of us that have been performed by the Lord. The fish swallowing Jonah. A worldwide flood. Jesus walking on the water. The uh, raptures of Enoch and Elijah plagues in Egypt, the healing of a man born blind, the salvation of a sinner. Aren't these great miracles of the Lord? But I think that this is the greatest of all the miracles. Isaiah 7.14 says, Behold, which is saying, think about this in a very significant way. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us, now in human flesh. John says it this way, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became a man. Christ is not only David's son, He is shown to be David's Lord. It's no surprise that Antichrist would slander and deny and dilute this greatest of miracles. He 
wants us to doubt God's Word and to undervalue the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was successful with the Pharisees. And Jesus asked them, whose son is the Messiah? And they said, David's son. And they were only half right. They undervalued him. The Messiah, from Psalm 110, verse 1, was called David's Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And so, even the high priest of all people that should know the Scriptures and should know the, the, uh, the truth about the Messiah, when Jesus confessed to be the Son of God, what did the high priest say? He should have said, I worship you. You are indeed God's Son, as well as David's Son. But he said, He has spoken blasphemy, and he ripped his clothes. You see, God and man, the God-man is not science fiction, it's science. It's non-fiction, it's truth. And I want us to think about that truth today, that Jesus is God that Jesus is God. It's, it's a truth that you and I should understand and believe and be able to defend and teach. That Jesus is God. Just that simple thought. Jesus is God. Do you believe that He's God? Oh, you'll hear a cultist say, oh, I believe He's the Son of God. As if they're skirting the issue and as if they're saying He's something less than God. But to believe that Jesus is the Son of God scripturally is to believe that Jesus is God. Because the Son of God is a term of deity, of divinity. So they do not believe that He's the Son of God. They believe He is merely a human being with one nature. But the Bible teaches that Jesus had two natures. Two natures. The nature of God and the nature of man, which is one strong evidence that He is God. It's clearly taught that Jesus had two natures. He said, I came down from heaven. We just read that from John 6. You and I cannot say, born on the earth, that we came down from heaven. Oh, you have the... You have the, uh, the, the celebration with the Stork, as if the stork brought the baby from the skies. But you and I had our origin on the earth. I cannot say that I came down from heaven on June 28th, whatever that year was. No, our origin was on the earth. Jesus said, I came down from heaven. That tells us that He knew he, before His humanity... There was pre-existence. Yea, we can say prehistoric. Because he is, as, as Micah 5 tells us, he's from everlasting. His humanity had a beginning. We can have the, the point on that line for his humanity, and now it stretches into eternity. And just like you and I have the point at the beginning of a line. But if you, if you take a line of his deity... There's no point in the past or in the future 
He is from everlasting. It tells us in Galatians 4.4, God sent forth His Son made of a woman. He sent forth His Son, His divine Son, from all eternity. And His divine Son, after He was sent, was made of a woman. In other words, His divinity took into unity a human nature. He was made of a woman, of the Virgin Mary, and made under the law to redeem those that were under the law. So He has two natures, very clearly. One nature that says, I am the Son of God. And another nature that says, I thirst, as He hung on the cross. And yet, we see the two consciousnesses of God and man when we study the life of the Lord Jesus. When He said, My Father, that was the consciousness that He had a unique relationship as the Son of God. But when he said that, that he thirsted, that he, when it says that he was tired, these all referred to his human nature. Jesus also referred to himself as God or as Jehovah. When the Pharisees questioned how he could how Abraham rejoiced to see his day, how did Abraham know anything about Jesus, about this person that we're talking to? You're not even 50 years old and Abraham lived thousands of years ago. And Jesus said, remember, John 8, 58, before Abraham was, before he even was born, I am. I existed. I am Jehovah. That's the expression that Moses heard in the burning bush. I am has sent me unto you. Jesus used the term of deity. And that's the word I am. The expression is, is actually God's name. He coined it. I am the ever existing one. I am the one who was and, it, and the one who is and the one who shall be. And we believe that the I am's of the Gospel of John speak of Him being the Lord, Jehovah. I am the door. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's saying, as Jehovah, I am the bread of life. I am the door, the way to salvation. And he answered point blank when they asked, Art thou the Son of the living God? Thou sayest. And then he also said, I am. Indirectly, he was referring to a psalm that prophesied himself when he asked the Pharisees, Whose son is the Messiah, is the Christ? And they thought it was a kindergartner question. No doubt they smirked. How easy that is. He's David's son. And Jesus said, what about Psalm 110? In verse 1, when David calls his descendant, they knew it was a messianic psalm of prophecy, the Lord, Jehovah, said unto my Lord. And they knew that my Lord was referring to Christ in the future, to the Messiah. And Jesus is standing there as the Messiah. And they said, he's David's son. But Jesus said, wait a minute, David didn't call him son. 
David called him Lord. How could he be his son if he referred to him as Lord? And so they were stumped. Jesus was indirectly confessing himself as the Messiah that I am David's son, yes, as I stand here in a human body, but I am David's Lord as the Son of God. He, he, he called himself Lord of the Sabbath in Mark chapter 2. And we know it's Jehovah that rested on that seventh day after the six days of creation. And Jesus was point blank saying that he is the Lord, Jehovah, as he called himself the Lord of the Sabbath. And one of those memorable events when Jesus was about to be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, there was a crowd of, of police, of officers and, and servants of the priests. And Judas Iscariot in front of them. And they all came to, to arrest Jesus. And you remember he said, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus, Nazareth. What did Jesus say? Just point blank. I am. Didn't finish it. I am. He gave himself the name of Jehovah. And what happened? All 50 of them, or 100 of them, they fell backwards. Think about that scene. They, They toppled over. It was such a powerful statement of deity, only deity, only the power of the revelation of God could cause someone to fall involuntarily on their backs. And as they were on their backs, he said again, Whom seek ye? (laughs) And on their backs they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Wasn't there one of them that said, What happened to us? Can you imagine if a few of them got saved, how thrilling they must have they must have expressed to themselves as they were returning to their homes? Did, did, you, did you interpret what just happened? Can you, can you explain why we all fell backwards? Truly this man was the Son of God. As the centurion would say later, So he referred to himself as God. Jesus is called God in the Bible over and over and over again. Remember Thomas when Jesus appeared and said, come and touch the wounds. Thomas wouldn't dare go any further. He said, my Lord and my God. Don't believe the Jehovah Witnesses if you ever quote that. You know what they're going to say? They'll say, this is how Thomas responded. My, my Lord Jesus and my God, they were referring to the Father. You talk about sleight of, of hand and sleight of mouth and deception. No, Thomas said to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Thomas confessed that Jesus was the Son of God, that He was God the Son. And so we have confessions. Peter, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. The centurion said, uh, Truly this man was the Son of God. We read in John 1, the Word was God. He was God. He wasn't a God. That's what they'll supply there. It says He was God. 
The grammar won't allow the indefinite article. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. Psalm 102 compared with, quoted in Hebrews 1 speaks of Jesus as being the Lord who is the same. He's, he's uh, unchangeable. Psalm 45, also quoted in Hebrews 1, says, Thy throne, O God, referring to the Son, He's called God, is forever and ever. He's called Mighty God in Isaiah 9. And the, the, the cultists will say, well, it doesn't say Almighty God, it says Mighty God. But later in Isaiah, it calls Jehovah Mighty God, not Almighty God. He is mighty God and He's almighty God. They refer to the same thing. He's mighty God. John says that he wrote, his, he wrote his Gospel that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, John was saying you would believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that the Messiah is none other than the Son of God. And he would write his first epistle In chapter 5 and verse 20, referring to the Lord Jesus, this is the true God and life eternal. And in John 12, he quotes Isaiah 6, where Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. John says that Isaiah saw Jesus when he saw the Lord high and lifted up. You see the, the comparison there. John 12 and Isaiah chapter 6. Romans 9.5 It's a doxology, but this is how it's normally read. And I want you to see how it, in the text, and how it should be read. Chapter 9 of Romans. Paul is speaking about his heaviness and sorrow that he would wish that Jews would be saved. He says in verse 4, "...they're Israelites to whom pertains the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers and of whom is concerning the flesh, Christ came..." Now it's talking about Christ here. "...Christ came who is over all..." Period. "...God..." Period. Blessed forever. Amen. It's normally read as a, as a doxology concerning the flesh Christ came who is over all. God blessed forever. Amen. As if Jesus is blessed by God. That's how it's normally read. But the way that verse 5 should be read is that Jesus is over all and it's because... How is it that He's over all? Because He's God. And He's blessed forever. So you have three separate statements here. That Jesus is over all, He's God, and He's blessed forever. May it be so. Bless God is what it's saying. He's God and God is to be blessed. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Father. Bless the Son. Bless the Holy Spirit. Jesus is said and shown to be equal with God. On par with God. Again, our text in John 1, the Bible says the Word was with God. Prepositions can give us pictures. 
the word the, the word with there is not just beside. That's a different preposition. You say I'm I'm walking with my wife. I'm walking with my friend. That's not the preposition. It's he's face to face with God. He was with God. In other words, he's on equal par. No, you and I are behind. You and I are falling at his feet. We're not face to face. Jesus is face to face with God. John is saying that he had an equal position with the Father in the beginning of creation. Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says that Jesus did not think it a thing to be grasped to be equal with God. He knew he was equally divine, but he didn't. He chose not to exercise all of his divine attributes because he came to die on the cross. He could have exercised his divine attributes as he was hanging on the tree. He said, I could call legions of angels. As the Son of God, he could have called the angels to come and take him down from the cross and destroy all his enemies. But then he wouldn't have saved us. He had to die for our sins. And only God could save us from our sins. And only God, God's death, not God's nature's death. There's a, there's a difference. He is God, so we can say it was God's death on the cross that saved us from our sins. But remember, He has two natures. John 5.25 says that Jesus said, all men should honor the Son as they honor the Father. Tell me that isn't a term of equality. All men should honor God as, even as, equal to honoring the Father. All men should worship the Father. All men should pray to the Father. So all men should worship the Son and and pray to the Son. We have Trinitarian passages in the Bible. Benedictions and doxologies. Matthew 28, Jesus said, Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. They're all on par. Father, Son, and Spirit. And the Spirit's deity is another study. Not just two persons. There's three persons. Holy Trinity. 2 Corinthians 13.14, a benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So you have Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. In other words, you read in the Scriptures there's various combinations. Though the normal com- combination is Father, Son, and Spirit, one, two, three in the Trinity, you have two, one, and three. Or you have three, two, and one. You see different combinations of the Trinity. They're all equal. In 1 Peter 1, verse 2, it's God the Father, the sanctification of the Spirit, and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So you have 1, 3, and 2. In Ephesians, you have one Spirit, one Lord, and one God and Father. And so you have 3, 2, and 1. In other words, there's a varying of the combination which is indicative of the equality of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, they all have their different functions in the plan of salvation, but they're equal in power and glory. 
the same in substance as we read in the shorter catechism, equal in the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Jesus received worship, and only God receives worship. When an angel had John sinfully bow to worship him, what did he do? He had him get up. I'm just a man. I'm just an angel. Worship God. When when Peter had Cornelius bow at his feet to worship him, did he accept the worship? Did he take his ring like the Pope and have him kiss his ring, kiss his hand, kiss his feet? He said, get up. I'm just a man. How can anyone believe that the Pope is Christ's representative on earth as if he is deity, as if he should receive worship? It's heresy. It's blasphemy. And yet thousands bow the knee to the Pope today and bow the knee to to the statue of Mary. Mary was a sinner saved by grace. She was born again. May I say, Mary was a Christian. Revelation, John fell at Jesus' feet. What did Jesus do? Get up, I'm just a man. He accepted it. He laid His right hand upon Him and said, Fear not. I am the first and the last. He's saying, I'm God. Yes, I am God. And I accept your worship. But don't cower in my presence. Because I am He that liveth, that's His deity, and was dead, that's an evidence of His humanity. And I am He that liveth again, that's His resurrection. Jesus confessed His deity when He put His hand on the shoulder of John. But He also confessed His humanity. That His humanity was not temporary like, like Docetus taught. That God could never be in flesh. That would be beneath God. Indeed, it was condescending of the Lord to take human flesh. But He sanctified that flesh when He took it. The Holy Spirit hovered over Mary. Therefore, that Holy One that's born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit prevented the transition, the transmission of sin when Jesus was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. The man that was born blind, when he discovered who the one was that, that healed him, when Jesus said, Do you believe I'm the Son of God? He said, He said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe? He didn't know that the one standing before him was the Son of God or even the one that had healed him. And he said, I am he that you're looking at right now for the very first time with your eyes. So apparently, when Jesus healed that man, he quickly escaped from his presence. But when the man so fearlessly and boldly stood against those religious teachers and said, you know, here's a strange thing, that a man that's born blind, who's ever heard that a man born blind would be healed? And you, don't, and you doubt his whereabouts? That's a strange thing. And they kept asking him, how were you healed? He said, I've told you already. Are you asking that, that you might be his disciple too? And it says they cast him out of the temple. They castigated him. They excommunicated him. But Jesus heard that he had been excommunicated. Yeah, that tells us he was human. He didn't always know, use his, his, his omniscience, 
obviously in his deity he knew that the man was ex- excommunicated but Jesus then appeared to him and what happened when he said I am the son of God the man fell down and worshipped Christ and Jesus received it the Bible teaches that Jesus forgives sins and the Pharisees knew who can forgive sins but God alone and they were irked when Jesus said thy sins be forgiven thee Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus says, well, what's easier? For me to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say to the invalid, get up and walk? Well, you and I know that the easiest thing to say is, thy sins be forgiven thee, because they're invisible. That's an invisible statement. No one can can see that happen. It's a harder thing to say because people are going to expect an immediate response it's a harder thing to say get up and walk to an invalid and Jesus said I'll show you I'll do the harder thing in the eyes of man to show that I forgive sins the easier thing get up and walk and the man got up who was an invalid and walked and Jesus was saying I forgive sins because I have the power the divine power to heal an invalid and they wouldn't believe you see belief is a gift from God And if any of us are saved this morning, it's because God has gifted us with salvation. Jesus forgives sins. Oh, what a sweet thing to hear, isn't it? Thy sins be forgiven thee. We need to hear that day after day after day. Fresh forgiveness. tell you, fresh forgiveness today is indicative of past forgiveness yesterday. The Bible tells us that only God can save sinners. It says in Isaiah 45, verse 22, Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. That's Jehovah speaking. But what does Peter say in his sermon in Acts 4.12? None other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. Joel says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of Jehovah shall be saved. Joel 2.32 What does it say in Romans? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Jesus is God. Jesus exhibits the attributes and works of God. Even His omnipresence. Because His body is present in one place at one time. So how could He exhibit or at least confess that He was omnipresent? Well, Sometimes it's difficult when he, when he shows his perfect knowledge like Nathaniel under the tree when he, Jesus wasn't even there. We would attribute that to his omniscience. But we do have the text in Matthew when he said to his disciples, when I leave, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, how could Jesus in His body only as a man be with us everywhere around the globe, all the ages, all our life? Because Jesus is not only a man seated at the right hand of God. He is divine. He's the divine Son of God, the omnipresent Son of God who is with us. He's with us when we're sick. He's with us when we're well. He's with us when we worship. He's with us when we evangelize. He's with us when we're persecuted. He's with us when we're imprisoned. 
He's with us when we're young. He's with us when we're old. Jesus is God. He saw Nathanael under the tree. He told the woman at the well that she had been married five times and the man that she had now was she was living in sin with. He knew what was in men, therefore he didn't commit himself, John 2. He knew there was a fish in the, in a, it, there was a coin in a certain fish's belly. And he, that's, his omniscience knew it and his omnipotence powerfully caused that fish to go over and bite Peter's. Well, I suppose he had a, a worm. I don't know if he had a lure, but it bit it. And Peter was astonished. He healed from a distance to show that he had to know where the sick person was, where the house was in the city. He changed the weather. He walked on water. He was omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He changed water into wine. He caused a man born blind to, be, to see. He raised Himself from the dead. Is that not indicative of His omnipotence and the fact that He had two natures? He said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. Tell me, how can a dead man, if He's only a man, how can He raise Himself from the dead when He's dead? He's got to be alive to raise Himself from the dead. He's got to be God to raise His manhood from the dead. I can remember preaching downtown and I was preaching that Jesus raised Himself from the dead and the man, maybe he was a Christian, he just shouted, the Father, only God raised Him from the dead. And I just quoted, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. The mob fell backwards. The, the Malchus ear was, was healed immediately. Isn't that amazing? Here's a man there to arrest Jesus so that he'll be crucified on a cross. And the man has his right ear. Even, even Luke tells us which ear was cut off. And Peter was aiming for the head. And the man was quick enough to, to, to get out of the way and his ear was cut off. And Jesus could have let him bleed to death right there and then. What tender mercies to love your enemies. He picks up the ear and he just places it on his head. Perfectly, No stitches, no scars, perfect healing. What power. Jesus is God. He multiplied the food. He's unchanging. God is immutable. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ, see it above us? Above me, Jesus Christ. The same yesterday and today and forever. Isn't it wonderful? The same yesterday and today. And it doesn't say, and tomorrow. The Lord wants us to see into eternity future. Our, our, our salvation is eternal in nature. Because God is eternal in nature. Because our Savior is eternal in nature. And He is eternal. John the Baptist, who was six months born before his cousin Jesus, said, You were before Me. I don't have, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And Jesus didn't say, wait a minute, John, you were born six months before I am. How can I be before you? Jesus knew that John was making a statement in the Spirit, knowing that Jesus, his cousin, was more than his cousin. 
It was John's Lord. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? You know, the blind man that was healed didn't believe at first because he didn't know it. But as soon as he was faced the fact that that the Messiah is the Son of God, he believed. And the Bible does, teaches that a person who's born again may not understand and believe all the doctrines, but once he's saved, as the doctrines of the Bible are taught, he'll believe them because he has a new heart, because he has faith to trust in God's Word. But there's a very terrifying statement in John's Gospel, chapter 8, in verse 24. The Bible says, Jesus says, and He said this to the Pharisees, if you believe not that I am He, you will die in your sins. You see, a person may not know that Jesus is God and be saved. And even as a saved person, he may not know it until he reads the Bible or is taught. But as soon as he's faced with it, his heart will echo with the Word of God, with the truth. But a person who is faced with the truth, all of these evidences and more undoubtedly, that Jesus had two natures, he referred to himself as God, that the Bible calls himself God, that he had the attributes of God. All of these proofs, and a person is faced with it and rejects that truth. Jesus said, you cannot go to heaven if you die not believing in His divinity. That's a serious thing. And that's found in John chapter 8 in verse 24. You believe that Jesus is the Messiah and the Messiah who is more than a man, that He's God manifest in the flesh, 1 Timothy 3.16, that it was the blood of God, Acts 20.28, that saved us from our sins. The blood of God, it says in Acts 20.28. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And believe that He is your Lord and He's your Messiah, Jesus Christ. May God bless His Word. And may we never undervalue the Savior. He is often underestimated. You cannot overestimate the Lord Jesus Christ. God forgive us for our undervaluing of His Son. We worship Him as our God and our Savior. Thank You for Your Word, Lord. Thank You for the reminder of this major doctrine of Your Word. Lord, we live by it. We die by it. We thank Thee that if Jesus were not God, we have no hope. We rest on this truth that Jesus is David's Lord as well as David's son. He's John's Lord as well as John's cousin. He's our Lord as well as our representative. Lord Jesus, thank You for for saving us from the fall. Thank You for becoming the second Adam. Adam from above. 
Thank You, Lord Jesus, for Your righteousness. Thank You, Lord, for Your atonement. Oh, Lord, we, we worship Thee. Forgive us, Lord, for our coldness and our, our distancing often from Thee. Lord, revive us again. Help us to live in light of Your divinity. To worship You as You ought to be worshipped. You are worthy of worship. You are the Son of God, the Savior of the world. We pray that You'd help us to point people to Thee. Save sinners, Lord. Heal our backslidings. Help us all to worship Thee as You are worshipped in heaven. We pray this in Your name. Amen. I'm going to sing from that text in Hebrews chapter 13. Jesus is the same. Jesus is the same. Number 125 from our blue hymnals.